Hey everybody, and welcome to DartCast interview number 103. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, joined by Brian Tyler as we talk to Colby Young of Iron Oaks Games. Iron Oaks is currently in the middle of development on a game called For the King, and they just recently launched a Kickstarter for the game. For the King is a turn-based roguelike game that seeks to bring the magic of board games to life. It looks really interesting, and I highly recommend you check out their Kickstarter page. You can find links to that on the show notes of this episode on DarkStation.com. You can follow us on Twitter, DarkStation underscore com, subscribe to us on iTunes, and send us an email at podcast at DarkStation.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Now on with the show. so much for joining us on the dark cast tonight How thanks for having me i'm very well thank you very much for having me good glad glad to have you glad to have you so uh we you are in the middle of uh of your kickstarter campaign for for the yeah game. it's actually still the beginning technically i mean we just launched this last uh tuesday i guess oh nice for day six and it's been a hurricane to say the least so <laughs> Yeah, it's a little little intense around here, but I think we're trying to trying to find a rhythm and get back into like the daily grind and whatnot. So sure, yeah, sure. That's that is uh, good to hear. But before we get into the game itself, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you and sure. who you are. Uh, so so who are you, Kobe? I am the game designer of Iron Oak Games. Um, I built the prototype of the board game that For the King is based off of. Um, I worked in film for about nine years, so I was trained in game arts. I took a job in film, worked there for about nine years, then eventually I was like, me, I'm making a game. So I quit my job, and uh, yeah, here I am working with a small team, and uh, yeah, we're making For the King. Fantastic, fantastic. What drew you to game development? Uh, just, I've been a gamer since I was, you know, I've, I had a Tandy 2000 in like 19... 19- 86 or 7 or something like that so I've been gaming forever I've just always been uh, really passionate about it and I there's a few titles that just you know I was almost kind of obsessive over I just really really appreciated them and uh, yeah it just seemed like a natural choice for me awesome yeah awesome. did uh, did you go to school for film or how did you it was for it was for game arts it was specifically okay. for game arts I did lots of animation and 3D modeling and whatnot mm-hmm. and uh um, that was kind of my my specialty, I guess, as I was a I was a modeler, and uh, yeah, upon graduation, there's a job in film popped up though, so I I got interviews and I hummed and hawed it, and I was like, well, you know, I want to do games, but um, this is a pretty cool sounding job, so I did take it, and uh, yeah, I became business partners with uh, a small studio in uh, in town that just did kind of contract work for basically every single major film that came through Vancouver, which is a lot so I've worked yeah. On, yeah it's it's a big hub for film and whatnot so I've I've worked on a lot of movies and whatnot but it was never really my passion so I uh yeah I kind of jumped ship and went back to games very cool what, uh, what kind uh, of contract work uh I did uh essentially it was a small studio um that did uh, CNC milling and like 3D printing, 3D scanning, all sorts of stuff. I was essentially I made props and like sets and whatnot for uh, oh. um, lots of major films and TV shows and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, we got to work lots of cool machinery and uh, just deal with lots of really cool people. And I've got like a million <laughs> stories from that place I could tell. But <laughs> it, I, I mean, it kind of definitely not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But it was, I'm really glad I did it though. Yeah, good good experience. Yeah. That's what counts. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Very nice. Now, now you said you're the game designer at Iron Oaks, but that yep. that is a name that can mean a lot of different things. Yeah, definitely uh, a what, small company. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I make the. I, I did design the prototypes. So I've kind of got final say on what content and whatnot goes in the game and how mechanics work and whatnot. Um, but we do make those decisions as a team. I mean, it's really important to keep each other in check and whatnot. So I'm definitely not like the, you know, the game design tyrant or anything. I'm just like the guy who gets to make the final call and, and whatnot. But yeah, we I do a lot of other things. Like I do uh, 
um, like gameplay programming, and uh, I do since I, I have a strong background in, in 3D modeling and whatnot. So I do help Gord out when he needs some help uh, uh, building assets and whatnot. So I, I'm kind of I, I wear a lot of hats, but uh, yeah, definitely not just game design. Okay. Speaking of the team, in that yeah. the awesome Kickstarter video, mm-hmm. um, it showed three desks in a dark room. <laughs> were those your desks? Is that well, where you work? That's exactly where we work. Although it's not a small room, it's actually quite large. We work in a shared studio, and uh, there's oh geez, like four companies here, I think, and we're oh, the okay. smallest. <laughs> yeah, we're we're the smallest one by far, though. We saw like one corner of that room. <laughs> yeah, right. no, we're, we we do have a, a corner technically, but it's not as bad as it looks. It's uh, it's a pretty cool place, and there's lots of really cool people working here. We got people making like mobile games, and there's another company making uh, Eon Alter, which is a uh, um, a really cool game that's like technically innovative. And uh, there's Jetpack Interactive, and there's lots of really great people here. So, is that is that to having all those you know like other game developers there in the same space? Is that something that's helpful where you can kind of just hey guys, can you take a look at this real quick? Absolutely, yeah. We okay, cool. uh, we we talk a lot. Um, we got a good relationship with all the other studios, and uh, um, like even just, just things like small things like marketing and crap like that. Like anything that you don't maybe don't have a specialty, and you're like, oh, geez, well, how would these guys deal with this? Then you know, you can go talk to anybody. And there's lots of really good experience here and whatnot. So it's kind of a, a good like incubator, somewhat for uh, like a small studio like us. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really great. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so is it dogs? Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is it is it three of you that make up Iron Oaks? Yes, that's there's three full timers. Um, okay. so it's me, uh, Gordon Moran, who's our art director, and then there's David Lamb, who's our like tech whiz, um, extremely talented people. Um, like really, we we make a fantastic team together, and we're really coherent. But we've also got uh. Um, our lore master, who's uh, his name's Sean Hoyle, and he's remote. I've known Sean for like 20 years. He's a really old friend, and uh, we've got our audio guys, and uh, um, yes, yeah, so we've got a good little network. Three, but three full timers. Yeah, that's it's me, Dave, and Gord. Okay, very cool. How, how did the team kind of come together? Um, well, I've known Gord since uh, art school, essentially. So that's where I met him. Um, so I've known him since about uh, 2004 or so. And um, he he was very familiar with the board game and whatnot I was working on, and uh, he loved it. Uh, he was like my primary play tester, so he knew it like as be- like better than anybody else. And uh, so he had uh, already had like invested interest in it. And uh, at, when I went kind of the digital route, he was definitely the guy to talk to. Like he knew the game, and he's a really respected uh, uh, person in, in his field. And um, uh, so that that's how I know Gord, and then Gord worked at Clay Entertainment, and uh, his coworker was David, and uh, and so they um, David eventually parted ways with the company, and then uh, as as our project started progressing, we were like, okay, well, we probably need some extra tech help. Um, so and David was a perfect candidate, so we uh, we talked to him, and you know he was really interested in jumping into a cool indie project like ours, so. Uh, yeah, it kind of came together pretty quick. It was for a long time. It was just me and Gord building the game, but like yeah, as it started to kind of prove itself as a viable product, then yeah, it was time to bring in like a a, a really experienced programmer like Dave. Okay. And, and the rest of the guys, I mean, they just uh, I don't I don't remember how some of them came came upon, but yeah, for the most part, it was, it was just like a, a good network of people that that we know throughout town and. And you guys are, are located in Vancouver still? So, yeah, Vancouver, okay. right downtown, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. How how long have you guys actually been working on For the King? Um, well, I've I've been working on it personally since I guess oh, okay, what is it? Twenty fifteen. It's like about a year and a half or so, like probably about January twenty fourteen I, I really started on it. Um as but just us three, it's been since about January of this year. So roughly nine months or so. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Very cool. Alright, well, um what what is for the king? Um well, it's a it's a turn based game. Um it's also a roguelike. 
So uh, it's not your typical roguelike, though. It's uh, it's a cooperative experience. So you can play it with friends or you can play it solo. Um, you control a party. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's open world, and so you can kind of do whatever you want. It's not it's not uh, structured like your typical roguelike, where you know you start at level one, you finish at level, you know, the dungeon level thirty or whatever. It's 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 open world, so you you start the game, and you don't really know much other than uh, a little bit of the story, and uh, essentially you're just like a, a regular citizen of this place called Ferul, and uh, the queen. Um, her husband, the king, has been murdered, and so the, the world's now in chaos. It was this nice, once once peaceful land, and uh, um, essentially, the queen's kind of made a plea to the citizens of the land for help. So, um, you set off as a as a normal person, and uh, you you just start exploring. It's turn based, so uh, you each turn. You uh, you get movement points and you choose how to spend them and uh, you just explore further and further and, and like a new player isn't going to know ex- what is what exactly because there's all sorts of things that you can find um, things that we call like points of interest uh, they can be like anything like new dungeons new towns uh, we have these things called haunts and we have these things called sanctums and there's all sorts of uh, really cool things that you can find that kind of like crafts your adventure as you as you play. Okay. Yep. So, I, I got to ask first question, or I guess second question. What kind of like? Question. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> what kind of iron grip did the king have that everything was peaceful and great when he was alive, and now that he's dead, everything's gone to shit? Uh, that's a great. That's a great question. Um, he was. Uh, he was a respected leader. Um, uh, the, essentially renowned by all of its citizens, and uh, um, there's a. Uh, there is like a fairly in-depth story in place. I mean, the game's not story-driven completely. It's more designed around the adventure. But I mean, uh, there's some things I don't really want to touch in because the the story's kind of like the the plot points are all in place, but it's still kind of being massaged a little bit. Um, but yeah, something something terrible has happened, and there's someone powerful who's causing uh, terrible things to happen right now. So it's not just the fact that the king is vacant; it's that someone else is adjusting the uh, Essentially, all like everything that's happening in the land. So there's the, the power vacuum is filled, but it's by somebody not cool. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. That's basically it. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So why? So like, judging from everything I've seen so far, by like the um, the the Kickstarters, the files, and kind of what you guys are offering, yep. why did you choose to go with the the kind of roguelike deal with it? It looks like it. it it could be, especially with the kind of random maps and, and your own little adventures that you go on, it looks like it would be just a fine standard RPG by itself. Um, well, it, like kind of the turn-based nature of it kind of makes it feel roguelike, so you make kind of more calculated decisions and whatnot. Um, it, it was never designed to be a roguelike. It was, it was a mm-hmm. board game, and board games by nature are just turn-based. And I made, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the game just evolved into... Uh, this uh, strategy adventure game we call it and uh, so I never set out to, to make a roguelike game it just kind of defined itself as a roguelike and it's just it was just the word that we could use that describes so much of the experience like how it's replayable it's random it's difficult the mm-hmm. characters are disposable so you never you know you don't get attached to your characters because they're going to die at some point and um it's just it just kind of naturally happened it wasn't it really wasn't intentionally to be a roguelike so it's just it's just a, a word that really applies to the game. Is there any kind of is there any kind of like meta progression? Um, do you get to keep anything going forward in, into your future adventures? Absolutely. Um, we've got these uh, persistent choices in the game, and those are um, um, they're done by achieving lore, and lore is like an actual like resource basically. So as you as you complete big quests or any anything major in the game, or maybe it just you know it happens that you just happen to find lore like. You know, at an enemy drop or something like that. You can take this lore and invest it in uh, the town libraries, and there's essentially a, an entry for everything in the game at the library. So you can go and uh, invest in um, uh, like a town. So you can say, "I don't know anything about this town. I'm going to invest some lore into it." So now you've got knowledge of this town. You understand it more, and as you understand it more, the history of the town starts to kind of reveal itself. And the more you know about it, then like maybe there's more quests available there now. And there's kind of more Easter eggs available, and essentially everything in the game has these persistent choices. So as as you as you send your your players out and, and they die, 
they're leveling up the world and it's it's saved persistently. So next time you come back, <coughs> Farul is very much how you left it. It's still a ra another random map generated, but you might see a town and be like, oh yeah, I found that town last time and I invested lore into it and now I know more about it and therefore now it can benefit me more. So it's uh, lots of persistent choices like that. So when you say invest lore, is that a, a resource that you have? It, it, it's a resource, essentially, okay. yeah. Is yeah. it finite? Do you generate it? What, it's what finite. It? Um, it's, it's just it's dropped like, like any other currency. I mean, it's okay. really rare. It's hard to come by. But uh, when you get a lore point, it's kind of a big deal. So okay. it's, uh, you go to town, and then you can choose where you want to invest your lore. And so your journal will, will start to fill up with things that you've discovered in the world and things that you've learned about. And the kind of the neat thing about it is that if we're playing a game together and we're both looking at the exact same map, my version of Ferule is going to behave differently than yours depending on how I decided to spend my lore. So that's kind of like the, the point of it really, is it kind of gives you like a custom experience of the world. So, so it's kind of like experience points for the world. Yeah, essentially. I mean, you're you're not your characters are disposable, but the yeah. the things that you learn are not. So you you definitely okay. keep those. So cool. Yeah, it's a kind of a neat twist on things. So is the story constantly progressing then? So if if all of your party members die and and you start over again. Are you starting back over at the beginning where you know You're the king has just died, or exactly? You... It's okay. it's uh it's a replayable board game experience. Like we're not okay. we're not selling it as like a forty hour epic or anything like that. It's definitely like it's a rogue. Like the the venture is technically short, but the challenge is steep. So um it's completing the game is a challenge on its own. It's 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 very difficult. So um. Yeah, the the story. I mean, we don't want to drown the the players in like walls of text or anything. So they're kind of delivered in little snippets, which is uh, ties into our lore system. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it it keeps the the story somewhat simple, and the adventure is always different. So the game's very much so based around the adventure and kind of like the things that you've done and the the unique the unique tale that you're weaving essentially so every time you play it it is it's the same story but it's going to be a completely different adventure okay now you, you mentioned that it's difficult and in the kickstarter there there's mention of being like two hours into an epic run and then yeah. dying mm -hmm. that sounds both kind of uh terrifying and um well, mostly terrifying so how does the uh, does your entire party have to die? Do you have kind of a, a main character that has to die? Do you, will your party members get replenished? Um, to be, to be honest, I mean, we're still up. definitely in pre-alpha here. So I mean, some okay. of the mechanics haven't really been fleshed out. I mean, like yeah, we, we've just launched Kickstarter, so it's clearly we're still early in development but um the, the current mechanic is that uh your entire party has to die but there's ways for them to be resurrected so it's not like it's not as simple as just walking out and everybody getting wiped out like if, if a player if you send a player out and they find a sanctum the sanctum is the home of a god and I, that player can devote themselves to that sanctum now when that player dies the god will resurrect them so they kind of they can kind of gain lives as they as they go through the game there's different ways to be resurrected and whatnot so it's it's not just like you know splat you're dead. There there's definitely a safety net there for the players, but I mean it could end poorly. I mean, it's a it's a board game. You're sitting down to to play a board game, and you're not always going to win. I mean it's kind of like you know like solitaire in a way. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Yeah, sometimes the cards just don't play out right. Yeah, like <laughs> luck plays into it big time. I mean you got to yeah. be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. So an experienced there... player will have like a little bit of an edge because they'll kind of be able to develop their own strategies and whatnot. Whereas a new player won't, won't really know what's going on, so they have to play the game a few times. And be like, oh, okay, I get this now. I understand how these POIs work, and I understand like some some basic strategy that I can do to help myself succeed. Don't charge first with my head. Pardon me. But, you know, don't charge first with my head. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> Use the shield. Um, when you say the the party's got to die, um, as a single player, are you controlling more than one character? You are. Um, okay. So that that is still uh, a mechanic that's in early development. So I mean, it's kind of hard to comment on it. But yes, mm -hmm. you currently control each player the same way that like a multiplayer. <laughs> 
game would work. But um, you're, instead, you're, you're you're sending each player out, and they, each each player has their own turn and whatnot. So they can kind of have their own actions, and you know you can send one player way out to a realm the other corner of the map and the other two players can go adventure together and uh yeah you're just controlling them individually but uh yeah they if you split them up you know they're gonna they're gonna have different adventures and whatnot but if you if you team up then of course they're gonna be able to like fight together and uh probably have an easier time of some of the obstacles and whatnot but i mean you might be forced to um to separate your party just because you know maybe one player moves faster than the other and you really have to reach a, a certain location on the map before like a certain time expires or whatnot or there's some emergency that only one player can really deal with or so there's there's diff- different motivations for splitting up your party for sure okay um so how does that kind of play into the 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 multiplayer aspect of the game um yeah, um, in a multiplayer game, everybody controls one character. Okay. So essentially, everybody makes up the party. Um, I, you know, every, everybody can do their own, like whatever they want. So, I mean, like um, if us three were playing, then uh, I could choose to go off somewhere, and then you guys could each go off somewhere, or else we could try to stick together as a group. Um, and then you know, it's kind of the combat's proximity based. So if uh, if somebody encounters a skeleton, then uh, everybody and all. Uh, all other enemies as well in that area will be part of the combat, so um, you can de- you can definitely create your own little adventuring parties and whatnot. And you know, some as I mentioned, like some some players move faster than others, so like it'd be kind of frustrating sometimes for a hunter who can who's getting additional movement points to uh, you know constantly um, not travel as far just so they can keep up with the, the, the blacksmiths and whatnot. So it's there's kind of some some balance there and whatnot. So like the 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 character classes all play very differently, but they they have different strengths and weaknesses that kind of make them a, a good a, like a good party. Okay. What classes are we dealing with? You said you mentioned hunter. Oh. You mentioned blacksmith. Yeah, um, we've got a what scholar. What kind of choices are available? Um, currently, our six classes are uh, the blacksmith, the scholar, the hunter, the herbalist, the trapper, and the oh, I'm forgetting one. I'll have to look on our Facebook or our Kickstarter page. <laughs> Actually, we've only we've only got three developed right now. It's the thing is, uh, we've got we've got plans for a, a wide variety. So, a couple of them are still kind of kind of new to us. Um, yeah, and they've got like different overworld abilities and whatnot. And uh, we've only experimented slightly in this in this part of the game. But uh, I mean, for instance, the hunters, you know, he excels with ranged weapons. So while he's on the overworld, he can get a preemptive strike on a on an enemy before combat starts and stuff. And uh, um, the, our blacksmith is kind of like our uh, heavy hitter in combat. And they're, they've they've got like some great defensive abilities where they can like cover another player to absorb their damage and whatnot. So there's uh, there's good ways for uh, you know all the players to work together, and you can form some potentially you can form some really interesting parties. Very cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it uh, obviously the like the you want to be able to to like cooperate that the the party dynamic itself is still being looked at. Outside of like yeah. points of interest, um, if I wanted to just you know kind of roll it up and go adventuring on my own, it, it it's suitable for that. Totally, yeah. Okay. It, it encourages it. Uh, oh, good. Okay. As a matter of fact, yeah. I mean, you you gotta just accept the fact that you go out but by I, yourself, I will die. and I then you're you're, <laughs> you're you're looking for trouble though. I mean, when you're by yourself and you get cornered by three beast men, you're you're uh, you're gonna have a fight on your hands. So it's <laughs> it is nice to travel with players, but I I. Mm-hmm. Personally, when I play, I love jumping in like an alluring pool, which is like this kind of uh, um, what's the word for like a teleportation device, um, and it spits you out randomly out in the world. So I, I, I love jumping in those and finding where I end up, and it's slightly terrifying, and it's like completely gratifying when you can make your way back to the party wow. and survive. So I mean, it's all about taking risks and whatnot. And usually, though, the people that take the risks get the rewards. So. Is the map redone every time you do a new character, or is it like kind of once per session? The the map like is once per story set. Yeah, the, every time you hit new game, essentially it's a it's a completely randomized world. There's a okay. few staples that that always remain. Like you you always start in the Guardian Forest, and then uh, our the capital city's name is Paradin. It's like it's like the 
it's almost like Rome in a way. It's like this really powerful city, and it's uh, a lot of the stories based around Parrot. So Parrot will always be in the game. But then mm -hmm. everything else is kind of random. So we're, we've got a uh, nine realms now total, including our uh, our stretch goal that we just hit, which was the Frost Realm. So um, it'll randomly grab uh, an assortment of these other realms, and then each realm will randomly grab an assortment of sanctums and haunts and dungeons and whatnot. So you'll never get the same mix when you play a game, which is it's really fun. It kind of forces you to adapt your play style depending on whatever the map rolled for you. So it's, it's quite a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, now, you mentioned kind of the, the different realms that you've got, and previously you mentioned the hunter that when you're in the overworld gets a, a buff to uh, get a preemptive strike. Yep. Uh, what what other kind of stuff is there like that, and what, I guess, how do the, the realms sort of affect gameplay, as, as far as you know right now, anyway? Um, well, the uh, a few other examples are of the abilities are the herbalist uh, can gather herbs, and herbs are kind of like our... Uh, like our health potion system we didn't want to use like the typical tropes like you know you got a, like a belt full of potions and stuff like that so we wanted to make it a little bit more unique so we've got these a herb system and you smoke herbs with your pipe and they're they're uh these things that com uh, combat all your ailments so um uh, the herbalist can gather herbs which is huge because if you don't if you don't have this out in the field then uh you're, you can you know corner yourself and, and be in really big trouble. So the the herbalist can gather like God's beard, and God's beard is the the herb that replenishes health. Or Panax is the herb that uh, uh, stops poison or whatnot. So there's the herbalist has always got kind of a, an edge over other players, and they'll they'll probably never be short on these things. And they're really important aspects of the game. So so everybody can smoke the herbs, but uh, only yeah. the herbalist can gather them. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What was the other question? You said uh, realms. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, how the, how the different realms affect gameplay. Well, there's different uh, weather in the game. Weather is a big part of our system. So uh, we've got rainy days, and uh, we've, we've got, like, a sandstorm. So uh, we've got a, a realm called the Parch Waste. And uh, um, one of the biggest features of the Parch Waste is that sandstorms can hit. And when they do, it makes things like uh, um, ambushing enemies more difficult. And on the flip side enemies can amb ambush you more easily. So uh, the weather really mixes things up. Uh, weather's still a fairly early system, but we've got, we've got lots of plans for some, some great, uh, great weather systems, um, even like th things like blizzards and whatnot in our new Frost Realm that we'll be developing pretty soon. And um, yeah, that's mostly it. I mean, um, the, obviously a realm's going to have different uh, enemies in it. So the um, the burning forest is like this really magical, the birthplace of magic, they they say, and uh, um, it's filled with like all like feral mages and like just lots of magic users and you know feral if, if you, mages, well the wild mages essentially, and uh, if, if you go into the burning forest and you're you have low magic defense, you know that you're gonna be having a tough time. So uh, sometimes you have to pick your realms and where you travel and whatnot depending on kind of like what your defenses are. That's like a whole. I, sorry, I'm still stuck on feral mages. That's like a whole new type of mage. Uh, mages are always know? like. I, I always hear them being like scholarly, like feral they... <laughs> mage. Like I'm, I'm thinking of like people from Mad Max. Yeah, like, that's, with that's wizard hats. Yeah, they're just like crazy. That, yeah, that's we, we've got awesome. a story behind them too. They're they're pretty fun. I mean, uh, one of the <laughs> one of the greatest parts of our team is we have like our own lore master. So I can. I can give Sean a concept and be like, okay, I want an enemy that does this and that, and uh, um, or I want a, 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 a haunt that has a, a scourge that works like this, and these are its global effects and whatnot. And I'm, and then within ten minutes, he sends me back some awesome concept, and I highly recommend everybody has their own lore master. That's it's awesome. <laughs> Brian, are you familiar with feral mages? Is that just with, something with I've been wild in the dark magic on? itself? Yeah. Well, you know, being a, yeah, it's, a I don't think it's of, super original. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're not you know putting silver spray paint in their mouths, but <laughs> at the same time, magic can be a, a, a truly uh, wild and wondrous thing. So, the, I mean, okay. the concept itself has always been around. It, it depends okay. where you go for it. Like in D and D, a wild mage is just somebody who like kind of taps into the magic differently and it, it pulls kind of random spells out to either their benefit or detriment. Yeah. So in this um, case, okay. you know, even if they are like Howl at the Moon Feral, it's it's not anything that's 
super crazy. It's new to me, and I'm excited about. That's it. cool. Okay, that's so that's I'm, I'm gonna that's excellent. That. <laughs> I've also that's never played D D. So anyway, moving on from there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, how big is how big is one, are one of these maps? How many turns would it take me to get from like the Enchanted Forest to the farthest point north? Um, how many turns? Um, uh, that's a good question. Maybe. Maybe a, a, a dozen turns, something like that. Maybe f- something like that. Uh, our a day cycle currently in pre-alpha stages is twenty turns, so it would take probably a full turns or a full day cycle to get to the other side of the map. I would think. Yeah, they're kind of. I mean, these values are constantly changing depending on like other adjustments we've made in the game and whatnot. So, the the map it's, not, it's definitely not huge. It's a it's a small world, but the fact that it's turn based makes makes you kind of step through it and not just race through it. Um, as you level up, you get more uh, movement points. So, um, a, a low level hunter will be rolling, you know two to four movement points, whereas like a level nine hunter will be rolling. Um, like seven to ten action points, so you can move pretty quickly eventually. But I mean, at first, you're kind of like tiptoeing around and whatnot. So, yeah, you're, you're the movement, the level of the character really affects like how quickly you can travel. And there's also we have fast travel, we've got boats, um, all sorts of cool things. Uh, uh, if we hit a stretch goal, we'll have uh, air travel and whatnot. So there's there's ways to get around the map. The alluring pools are a really fun way, as I mentioned earlier, but they're totally random and kind of a gamble. So you just hop in them and you'll end up somewhere. So, I mean, you can technically get across the map in just in one turn. So. Nice. Is everything kind of on like a random system? It's oh, like very. You said you said so between like seven and ten, or like or like. Yeah, nothing. I don't like having any concrete numbers. Like I don't like it being predictable. The the original board game, like absolutely every mechanic in the game was based off a d10, and so I mean it was all over the place. So I I, I prefer those numbers over like just saying okay every turn you have three action points. Well, that's kind of that's kind of a little boring. So uh, getting like you know some sort of a, a range of action points, and you know some turns that makes some turns better than others, and um, it kind of it really mixes it up, and it, it allows like it, it adjusts your strategy as you as you as your turn starts. So if you roll four action points, you're like, okay, sweet, I can now get to that town and stay at the inn and cure all my problems and whatnot, as opposed to if I rolled you know, less action points than I would have been stuck out in the cold for another turn and possibly die. Smoking so. in the forest alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Totally, okay. Good, so there's... Uh, is it, As with all things with, like, random numbers, it, I, I take it there are, like, critical successes or there are also critical yep. failures? Am I dropping so, stuff? Am I breaking things? We don't really use dice anymore. Um, the Obviously, the board game was dice, and the earliest prototype of this game was also kind of like this digital dice system. And we were kind of, we, we thought that was a, um, it was just too typical. Um, so we were like, well, what's more exciting than dice? And we're like, okay, well, slots are more exciting than dice. Everyone loves slot machines. So your, uh, your action points are rolled with slots. Your attacks are with slots. Any sort of special mechanic in the game, like lockpicking or gambling and whatnot, it's all slots. So um, it's pretty fun. Um, if you're trying to flee, you have to, you have to hit all of your, your flee slots, or else if you miss one of them, then you're not fleeing. So you're, you're constantly kind of cheering for the results. And, uh, and you know if you attempt a critical strike, we call them power attacks. If you, if you attempt a power attack and... Uh, you hit all your slots, and you know, they light up, and particles flash, and then uh, your character does his critical attack, and then, you know the critical damage goes completely through the armor. So it's kind of like this epic event, and it's really fun when the uh, um, when your when your slots, you know, um, they all they all hit their uh, their max value and whatnot. So it's it's pretty cool, and we it, you can really control how a item behaves with how many slots it rolls, like a like a a bow with five slots will uh, behave differently than a bow with one because we kind of use the percentage of the results to depend to, to dictate how many uh, how much damage it's doing and if you if all of your slots miss then it's a critical fail so your your weapon will essentially explode in your hands and you're left with nothing so you know a bow that only has one slot means that when you hit your um, when you when you hit the slot you got to um, a success out of it, then you're going to get 100% of your damage. But if you miss, then it's a complete failure and your bow will break. So it's kind of like the stability of a weapon is determined by how many slots it has. So it, 
can really mix up like uh, how a weapon feels and whatnot. It's 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 a pretty pretty good system. We're getting really good results out of it, so we'll probably push it quite a bit further. Nice. Very nice. Um, now the the art style is is really fantastic. How did you guys come up with the? Uh, I guess what you call it the modern low poly. Yeah. Uh, um, style. So Gord is our our art director and. Uh, he, I think he's wanted to make a low-poly game for years because he was really pushing for it. And uh, so we were going through some potential styles for the game, and we went through basically everything. We looked at all, um, um, all sorts of different styles, and eventually we got to low-poly, and uh, it was just it seemed like a natural fit. Um, it was it's perfect for a team like ours because we're three full timers. Gord is basically our only artist. I fill in once in a while, but it's essentially only Gord. So we needed a style that we can like really iterate upon and. Uh, build loads of assets with. So if we were going high res, I mean, there's just no way we would be able to do this as a team our, our size. So the the low poly is allowing this game to be built in its current state. I mean, otherwise we'd probably be making like a, a pixel game or something. Because there's, I mean, there's reasons why in, small indie teams don't make these, you know, high res, hyper real games. They just, they just can't do it. So we needed a style that just worked with a small team and low res was, or sorry, low poly was perfect for us. Nice. Nice. It seems kind of reminiscent of, um, um, oh, dang. Uh, Sun, no, not Sons, Brothers? Brothers, Tale of Two Sons. Or Sons, uh, oh. Tale of Two Brothers. Or what? Star Wars Brothers, you're right. Brothers. brothers. I always get it confused. I don't know why. I have never played it. Played called Sons. It probably is a game called Sons, you know. Uh, But uh, yeah, Star Breezes, the Riddick guys, their last game. Right. Okay. I never played it, so I I I don't know. But yeah, there's definitely a handful of games out there like this. Um, Mm -hmm. um, You know, I don't. I I personally don't even have time to play games. I don't even know what's out there. Um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, there's I've, my list of games to play is growing daily. Sure. I, I haven't finished Bloodborne yet or anything, so I mean, I've, I'm way behind on what's actually out there and, and whatnot. <laughs> well, you know, it's, that's they're waiting for you at some point in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was enjoying it. Well, uh, so so you guys have successfully met your Kickstarter goal. Yes. Um, so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was happened really fast, which we it did surprise us, but yeah, it's over with. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, so what what does this let you do? I guess you know, what what does this um, money allow you to do that you couldn't have done? Um, essentially, it buys us time, which is huge. I mean. Um, if we hadn't kickstarted or Kickstarter failed, we would have been looking to get the game out the door ASAP. Um, now that it's been funded, um, it allows us to bring in additional support and explore things that we couldn't before. Like uh, one thing that terrified us was co- uh, quadrupeds, just having like four-legged enemies and stuff. Like we were not prepared for that. So currently, every single one of our enemies are bipeds. Um, now that we can actually pay somebody to develop the tech to uh, make our quadruped rigs and build the animations and whatnot, we've now we just expanded our enemy database uh, massively. So that's huge for us. Um, we can now afford our audio, which is not cheap. So um, that's another big thing for us. We're gonna have our own nice uh, soundtrack, and uh, we're not gonna be using any like you know free download. Um, online music, which is there's lots of good stuff out there, but I mean, we kind of wanted our own custom music, so now we can do that. Um, the, uh, any sort of like consulting with like our tech and whatnot, now we can actually bring in somebody to take a look for a couple weeks and make sure that you know we're on track with you know we're dotting our I's, crossing our T's, and everything. So there's it just allows us to bring in a, a support group that can, you know, really ensure that the game becomes what it needs to be and it's, you know, functioning properly and all that. So it, it just helps us so much. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So what about some of the uh, the stretch stretch goals? You guys obviously have some already listed on the, the yep. Kickstarter page, but uh, what else do um, you potentially have? Uh, so, yeah, we've got a couple big ones coming up. Uh, 
One that I'm pretty excited about is it's called Above the Clouds, and um, we haven't revealed it yet, so you guys are getting uh, the scoop. But um, it's uh, it's going to allow you to travel by air, which is really cool. It's a new form of travel. So we have the boats in already, and that was kind of a key. The you know obviously to travel to islands and whatnot, you need some sort of form of travel. So we got the boats in there, and we were really happy with that. But then we were thinking, man, it'd be awesome to travel by sky as well. So. We, we knew that wasn't going to be a, a, a goal in you know the 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 core game. We knew that we would need some additional funds to make that happen. So um, that's coming up, which is pretty cool. We've got one um, that it revolves around uh, werewolves, and we, we've got a, so we've got a night cycle in our game. Um, we've got some mechanics for it that make nighttime you know a little bit extra, like a little scarier and more difficult. So. To really play that up, I was I would love to get like lycanthropy into the game and that and have um, you know an encounter with a werewolf now means that you yourself can turn into a werewolf during a, um, during a, a night cycle and it just kind of adds like the the chaos of the game and whatnot. You know you're having an, an epic run and uh, you get bitten by a werewolf and you know, all hell breaks loose and essentially a werewolf will force you to lose control of your character for like a very brief time and hmm. and they're going to make you know like some terrible decisions probably for you so <laughs> so there's some cool stuff coming up and there's we've also got like a, some more tech uh, stretch goals like porting to PS3 or, or sorry PS3 PS4 and uh, Xbox is uh, it's not an easy thing to do, and you really, you got to bring in a pro to kind of like show you around and whatnot. So that'll that would be a, a huge thing for us. I mean, that's a this is a really far stretch goal, so we're not even sure if we're going to hit that. But it would it would allow us to do that sooner than instead of you know waiting for launch and waiting till we get some sales in or whatnot. And so it, that that would be a nice one to hit, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Whose idea was the uh, was this like glorious art style? Uh gorgeous. This, this is like really cool. Good, yeah. You know, lots of people are love it. The odd person doesn't like it, which I don't understand. As I love it myself, but uh, for the most part, we're getting overwhelmingly positive reviews on the art, and it was that is all Gordon Moran. So he's uh, you know he's a pretty talented guy, and he's uh, he's done some pretty impressive things with very limited polygons. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, there's some really, really neat stuff in there, and, and like the, it's not um, pixely, which I think too many, uh, too many of the games tend to fall in these years. And, yeah, and it's just like, but it's 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 kind of sets itself apart in its own way. Yeah, like we don't believe in right angles at all, so you're never gonna see a perfect cube or anything in the game. It's all, uh, it's everything's just kind of like not perfect. Which is what it needs. I can to see do. that even the dungeon tiles are all like up on themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. You'll, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to find a, a perfectly straight edge anywhere. So it's uh, he's got a great style. He's got a great eye for this stuff. So he's he's really been hitting those notes really well. I had one other question about the game. Um, yeah. During the, uh, the the video and one of the uh, like gifts that you have on the page. Yeah. Um, specifically, the underworld perils. Mm-hmm. There's this door with three pendulums in front of it yeah <laughs> how do you get by there <laughs> okay so our trap system admittedly is underdeveloped right now but we've got great plans for it um it's all uh it, like there's no real-time control or anything in this game so it's essentially you've uh, you've come upon a trap how do you want to deal with this and you can you can attempt to get get past it so it's essentially just going to roll against your stats so if you've got a hunter uh, okay. If you got a hunter that uh, has you know high quickness or whatnot, then he has a great chance of getting across. Uh, the blacksmiths are a little more a little more clumsy, so they're probably going to get destroyed by these things. So there's there's ways to get past them. Like doofus goober, but the video yeah. just walked right into it. And yeah, like, all right, we're good. <laughs> he didn't do a very good job. He didn't try very hard, so a little disappointing. I'll stop the blades with my body. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. Yeah. He didn't even do that. He failed at his one job. <laughs> yeah, he should have been walking a little faster, I think. Or at least just hold on. Make it harder for it to hit the rest of the people. <laughs> Sometimes you need a meat shield, so... Totally. Everybody's got to do something. I had a I had a programming teacher in high school, and, and his, his, like, line du jour was, somebody's got to dig ditches. 
<laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. You, you don't look down on them. That's just that's their that's their role to play in things. Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. It's as important as anybody else's role. Somebody's got to be a meat shield. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what what are some of your favorite Kickstarter like the um, rewards that you have for backers? Um, personally. Actually, we just posted an update today, like seriously, half an hour before we started talking. I posted the latest update, and it breaks down how the ghosts and the wraiths work. I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, so if you were to pledge and you pick the ghost tier or the wraith tier, we got this thing in the game called the gallows, and the gallows is a haunt. Um, if you read the article, it explains haunts and scourges in depth, and I'll give a, give you a quick overview here but a haunt is the home of a scourge and a scourge is essentially this powerful villain that will enter your game and alter important game mechanics like we've got one called the old one he's kind of like father time and he totally screws with the time cycle and you know time's a commodity in this game and it's kind of always ticking down and every time a new day starts the game gets harder and so when the old one joins your game it's you're in for a nightmare because he's going to be making the, the the time go by way faster and then you're going to kind of get swallowed up by the game because you can't keep up so we have these things called scourges and that's what the old one is so um we made a new haunt for Kickstarter, and it's called the Gallows. And the Gallows has a scourge called the Hangman. So when the Gallows is activated, the Hangman is essentially enters the world. And when the, the Hangman enters the world, he brings with him all, all his victims that he's killed over the last however many years. So that's essentially our, our Kickstarter backers. It is They're all the, the ghosts in the race, and you'll see their name in game. So uh, you'll be able to fight... And uh, you'll be able to fight um, Ghosts and Wraiths, and uh, they'll have you know the, the Kickstarter backer names on them and whatnot. And it's gonna be so awesome. So that's probably my favorite thing right now. Um, we've got a we might release some more reward tiers soon because frankly, like the early bird tiers flew off the shelves, so we were just blindsided by it. So we might we're gonna rethink our, our reward tiers. We've got a couple other pretty cool ideas that we're excited about. That's always a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. when, <laughs> when things are going so fast that you have to like, yeah, okay, we, we need could, more. We got to figure. We more couldn't out. believe it. Like it was just, it was a whirlwind. Like our first day, well, we posted at midnight. It was like Monday at midnight, and we're like, okay, it'll be ready for Tuesday, and then you know we'll go beg everybody for money, and we probably won't get it. Woke up in the morning, and when it was just going crazy, and like our eyes bugged out of our head. Uh, like I had tunnel vision all day. I couldn't believe how fast this was happening. And so, yeah, we, we were definitely caught off guard on a few aspects of the campaign. Like we're, we're definitely noobs at this. This is our first Kickstarter campaign. So we've learned some valuable lessons already. So now we're just trying to keep up and, you know, stay on track with, uh, we've talked to other folks who've done it and it's kind of like a, uh, a wild and raucous, like, you know, your eyes constantly checking just to see what's yeah. there with you guys having already met your goal. Yeah, is 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 a lot of that pressure kind of off? Um, I would say some of it, but I mean, there's kind of more pressure with it now because now there's like so many people that are itching for the game. Like it's it's fantastic that it's been so well received. Like one of my greatest fears was, you know, the game comes out and people are like, oh, I don't know, kind of looks weird. I don't really get what you're supposed to do. Like I was terrified that it was just gonna be all comments like that. But it's it, everyone seems to really dig it, and they're interested in the gameplay. They love the art, and uh, so that adds pressure as well. Is there's like so many people that want to play the game now, and they're really excited for it, and I'm like terrified to let them down. So, <laughs> so, so that's a new element. But yes, hitting our stretch goal is awesome, and or sorry, not stretch goal, our our, our asking um, amount, and uh, it was a great feeling and we're really grateful for everybody that's uh, pledged and kind of kept us going and so yeah it's it's well, you know different stress I don't think like I, I think the most experienced people like even people who have done probably 100 kickstars I, I imagine they're still feeling a little bit of anxiety while their campaign's going so regardless of the results there's I think you're always going to be kind of just a little bit nervous about like just what the future holds and yeah because the, the whole time it's all it's still all marketing you're still pushing to continue to get yeah to, to get it to get what you can and, and to to make sure that you're not um promising more than you could deliver on exactly you got to really you know you got to think quickly like we had to 
as soon as this this got funded, we were like, holy crap! Like we got to look at our stretch goals and make sure these are realistic. Like we could just like some of them were like, well, seriously, we removed so many of them. We we're like, oh my god! Like these actually could happen now. Let's really think about these. Yeah. So what did we know, do? What did we do? That was one of our comments. Is like, what did we make? Oh my god! So it was yeah, it was really intense. It's 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 definitely fun and it's definitely exciting, but it's definitely stressful as well. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, good problem to have. It's a good problem to have, yeah. and it's. I mean, the, the reverse problem is that nobody cares about the game, and that's even that's a hundred times worse. So, we'll take this any day. Okay. Sure. So you guys also launched the uh, the game on Greenlight as well, right? Yes, yes, we did. Uh, so how how is that going? Uh it's going really well. Our numbers, I I would guess, are definitely up there like it's it's ranked quite highly in the uh, the current uh, out of the current uh, greenlight projects so um i think it's just a matter of time before we get greenlit it's kind of a weird mysterious process that no one really understands i mean like i think somebody i think it's just somebody at steam just once every week or two looks at you know the active projects and like okay these top projects are clearly popular what is approved these so it's not like it's very happens very often so we're just kind of staring at it waiting for something to happen so who knows well yeah i i generally i I don't know if i've ever seen a game that was on both green light and kickstarter and like where one of them didn't pick up if the other one yeah i i I mean we're sure it's go together in a lot of ways yeah i mean like an example is battle chasers right now i'm sure you guys know battle chasers the uh the kickstarter campaign right now um it looks incredible and i like clearly it's going to get greenlit but i don't think they've been greenlit yet so that's kind of (laughs) it's it's kind of interesting it's just a strange mysterious kind of does what valve does they do whatever they want yeah it's so true so we're just playing by their (laughs) rules and hopefully uh hopefully it works out favorably indeed yeah well brian do you have uh any more questions before we go into the end game no no i'm good i'm good let's uh let's do this we like to end with a uh a little questionnaire sure that's uh, more focused on you than the uh, than the studio or the game all right um so we'll just jump into it um first question um who is your favorite video game protagonist protagonist um yes it's got to be the avatar from the ultima series uh he like i am an ultima junkie i i love that series i love everything richard garriott does i like I'm keeping a close eye on Shadow of the Avatar and everything, and I think the Avatar is just like the definitive hero. Um, you know, he's kind of uh, ambiguous. He doesn't really have an exact definition, but every time you play Ultima, you play as the Avatar, and he's just—I don't know—I'm I'm always like proud to play as the Avatar. He's just, he's just—he's the coolest character. Yeah, absolutely. I—I want to say you were like the second person out of the last like three people we've talked to that's yep. actually named the avatar really yep. so the, oh, yeah awesome. that, that's actually put that as their favorite so that's that's very yeah. cool excellent right on. Um, yeah, two, two interviews ago uh we talked about hyperspace pinball yeah, okay that was him uh, yeah oh right oh actually you know what? i think i listened to that one the other day i was just trying to see what you guys were all about so i think that was the one i listened to i think i missed the ultimate comment though <laughs> i don't know how that happened that's all right because now these are questions are all going to be surprises to you so that's fine you, you're not yeah. cheating yeah. at all no. <laughs> um, second, flipping the coin. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? Oh, geez. Um, I'll go Kafka from Final Fantasy VI. I like the way you think. Yeah, he was so he was so easy to hate. You love to hate him. He was fantastic. He had like his own music and everything, and his laugh was just like this eight bit goodness. Like it was. Yep. He was, he was just the best. Yep. Fantastic. Laughed at laughed at poisoning a town. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to the rest of the bad guys, he yeah. was the bad guy that betrayed the bad guys and became even worse. Yeah, for absolutely. the hell of doing it. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. the early the Final Fantasy one through seven games are just I love them so much. I mean, Final Fantasy four probably being my favorite, but yeah, it's even like a character like Kane from Final Fantasy four. Like he was clearly brainwashed and whatnot, but like when he. He was. They made him the villain, and you didn't want to hate him, but you had to because of what he was doing and whatnot. So there was those Final Fantasy games. They just told us great stories. He was so good at doing it because you knew that there was, there was at at least even if he was brainwashed, there was still enough animosity there between him and Sissel 
Yeah, they had such an old like rivalry and yeah. relationship and whatnot. So it was, between him and Rosa, and then it was yeah. you know like they're brothers, but at the same time they're fighting each other. It was there was enough believable, um, uh, like not not hate, but just anger between the two that yeah. when he did turn and it was like you know it would finally at the end when he was like, look, I'm back. We, yeah, we just yeah. need to do this. That it was, it was great. so awesome too, and you finally yeah. get him back, and it just felt fantastic. Like it was those the stories they told in those games. I mean the. They're just amazing. I, I respect them so much. They're so good. Yeah. But especially those two are just yeah. true classics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, question number three. Um, is there any kind of trend um, in video games today that you'd like to see uh, kind of continue to keep growing? Um, um, something that's maybe small right, right now that you'd uh, you'd like to see just expand? Uh, yes. Uh, basically, everything that From Software is doing right now I think is amazing. Um, they made it okay for video games to be hard again and, you know, uh, Demon Souls is you know one of my favorite games of all time um, I'm very picky with the games I play and I'm very picky about what games I'll put on my all time favorite list but Demon Souls made it for sure um, brutally hard and you know people whined and complained about like oh it's just too hard I don't know what they were doing I don't know what they were thinking but you know the people that actually took the time to play the game and like address address all the challenges and whatnot realized that you know there is a hell of a game here and mm-hmm. they continue that on to like the Dark Souls trilogy and I'm so excited for Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne I didn't finish it yet but it's so good <laughs> so everything from software does they're they're just printing money right now like they're just awesome yeah, which is funny because Demon's Souls started out as such a real, like, kind of niche niche project. Totally, and, it was and, so and, it was so quirky. Yeah, and even Dark Souls. I mean, you know, they were they were out of their mind when Dark Souls sold like, I want to say it was like two million copies. Yeah. When at the same time you get a a big AAA project like um, like Tomb Raider that yeah. does five million and Square's like, oh well, that's still not good enough. <laughs> it's like, like totally. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, they kind of just came out of nowhere too. I mean, I'm I'm really grateful that like you know that it it caught on and now it's like a popular series. Um, Dark Souls. I mean, I would say Dark Souls is technically the better game over Demon Souls, but I mean, I I loved how 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 risky they of a move it was to do um, Demon Souls. And one thing I really loved about their decisions was that they weren't scared to piss off their customers. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was crying and screaming for you know like uh, uh, being able to like talk through a mic while you're playing and whatnot and, and they said no like that's not what we want you to do we want you to play in silence and we want you to talk through these cryptic little messages and hand signals and stuff and i love that like i understand why they stuck to their guns and that's why their their games are so like kind of like artsy and polished and whatnot it's because they make like, these risky decisions and really like just stuck it to the customers and said this is what you have to deal with and you know too bad so it's you know really really great company and, and, and it's really neat because every so often, uh, especially like um, when you look at, at like like Japanese games and and the games you know coming out of like Western audiences now, um, yeah. everybody's very quick to criticize that their uh, like the, the their Japanese counterparts are so kind of like stuck and the old. But at the same time, um, when it comes to these really interesting choices, um, yeah. it's those it's those same Japanese games that are not afraid to kind of make the hard call and say, no, we're doing this because this is how we see it. Totally. I completely agree. I mean, and that's, I just appreciate that so much more than, you know, going to the safe route and be like, okay, well this formula works perfectly. Let's just duplicate that over and over until our focus group, 60 out of a hundred people preferred to have a tutorial right here. Yeah. And like, what fun is that? I don't know. I don't, I don't like the hand holding and whatnot. I like it just, throw me a, a crazy unique game let me figure it out and then you know it's more rewarding when you actually you know solve these puzzles and whatnot and, and there's nothing challenging about you know playing some of these cookie cutter games and <laughs> i i just i couldn't be bothered to play them personally it's got a I'm, as i said i'm really picky with what games i play so it's i, I really appreciate it when like some, someone's trying something new Flip, flipping the coin um question number four uh, is there anything, any kind of trope or trend that you'd like to see go away completely? Um, hmm. Not really. I mean, I I find it hard to criticize anybody for um, any game that they make. I mean, it's uh, even just the last week, I've now got a new 
respect for just kind of <laughs> you know making your own game and there's this, putting something out there exactly like there's like yeah. there's this big difference between like you know coming up with an idea and developing your game and then there's the the other end of the spectrum where it's actually called facing reality and putting your game out into the, for the public to see and for you know you're putting your everything that you've been working towards for the last you know x amount of time you're now putting it on trial and you're going to have people you've never met either tear it apart or love it so i i you know it, it, i don't really have much of a problem with anything that everybody wants to do like i i pick and choose what i want to play so i don't have to play these games there's a for as far as creative stuff uh gavin dunn um the dude who does the uh the miracle of sound songs and all that okay all that jazz um he's uh he he was in, it was some question that he was posed as like when is you know when is your song ever done and he was like my oh my songs are never done he <laughs> goes but one day I just kind of have to put them out there and hopes and hope that nobody hates them <laughs> yeah that, that's you know that's that's every artist though I mean it's yeah. not just musicians it's like like a painter's painting is never done like in a game designer's game is probably never done so I mean it's it's so true I mean you just got to say okay this is good enough I think people are gonna like this or I hope people are gonna like this and then you just put it out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing obviously you're doing what you love um, as far as going back to even making your own board game yeah um, so you're doing you're doing that is there any other like kind of dream profession out there that you'd love to try with uh, you know given like no restrictions um not really you know I've, I've just everything I want to do is somehow based in gaming like I like I love miniatures and whatnot and a part of me a long time ago wanted to get into like making like little 3D miniatures and crap but uh, you know, I'm, I'm. This is it. I mean, if I if I had unlimited budget and unlimited time, I would be make. I would be making games. I, I don't know. I don't know what else I would really want to do. I mean, I, I I did the. I worked in film for quite a long time, and that was just wasn't quite cutting it. But I, I like being. I like being creative. I mean, all my projects somehow, some way, are involved with gaming. Like I made my own ar- arcade cabinet, like a, a main machine. Um, and of course, it's it's arcade games, so it's it's all tied back to games. So I mean, every project I do is going to somehow be related to to gaming. If Richard Garriott asked you, would you go into space with him? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. I'm not really much of a. I'm not really into adventure quite like that. I mean, maybe. Jeez, he knows what he's doing, so yeah. he might be the right guy to go with. I don't know. He certainly paid enough for it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I respect him for it. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's pretty ballsy. I I don't know if I would just jump in a spaceship because I could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Um, question number six. Uh, our 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 oft crazy question. Uh, but it, it's kind of settled down a little bit now. Um, is there any one game that um, you would like to go back and play with kind of a set of new eyes, um, um, given what you know now and the experiences you have now that you'd like to just re-experience? Oh, so many. Fallout 2, maybe. That is such a good game. So uh, underrated, Teaching I think. Trapper. <laughs> yeah, that is a great game. Uh, Ultima 7 is my favorite game of all time. So I would love to play that one again. Like uh, Zelda, Link to the Past, Final Fantasy 4, as we already talked about. There's so many games I'd I'd love to just see with like, you know with fresh eyes and experience it like brand new but I mean can't be done obviously but given, there's, there's a yeah lot of... I was gonna say given like this is one thing I hadn't quite considered until you kind of mentioned that given like like where you are now if you yeah. went back and you played Ultima Seven or yeah. not went back but if you played Ultima Seven like you had never played Ultima Seven before do you think it would be as high on your list? Um, that's a great like you mean like today and age yeah uh no it's if somebody just like gave it to you and you're like hey dude you like the other ultimate games check this one out uh maybe i don't know i i like to think that i'm you know i'm not i'm not uh steered away by like dated graphics and whatnot it's fun to say that but then i go back and i i try to play games that i've never played before that are quite old like I've, i'm not really familiar with the fantasy star series so i went back and tried to play f- like Fantasy Star Four or something, and I just couldn't do it. It was too old. <laughs> so, um, pro- you know, it, probably not. It's all about like you know when you played it and what mm-hmm. what was what was cool at the time. And Ultima Seven was such an advanced game at the time, and the the open world the open world was just amazing. So I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it wouldn't quite stand out for you know how how it should, but uh, 
yeah, I, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Mm. All right. Uh, final question. Yeah. Um, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom uh, and at the end of our lives and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, yeah. um, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Uh, good job. That's it. Pat me Art on the back. Simple. All right, <laughs> yep. man. Yeah. You did well. That's it. Get in there. Yeah, get in That's there. There's room for you. Waiting for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you very much for answering our questions. I don't have any prizes yeah. for you, though. You've done a great job. Thanks uh, very much. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Jonathan, uh, take us home. All right. Well, Colby, thank you so much for joining us and talking about For the King. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more about the game. Yeah, so you can find us on Kickstarter. You can just search for the King Kickstarter and it should pop up. Uh, you can go to ironoakgames.com and find everything you need there. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just look for Iron Oak Games and you will find us. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again and uh, again, congratulations on meeting your thank you, goal, thank you. but good luck as you finish out the, uh, the Kickstarter run and as you continue developing the game. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. 